Uh, I've been planning on saying this almost every Sunday as you guys have been promoting the Life Choices Ministry. Uh, and every Sunday I think about saying it and I get up here and I, I get into the sermon mode. But I do want to say, man, I appreciate you guys supporting that amazing ministry. We know we live in a world now that has so pathetically uh, just almost bragging, well, not almost, braggingly murdering babies every day and, and, and just... And it's so sad and pathetic, isn't it? And so ministries like that need our support, especially when we're seeing results where they are truly seeing young ladies choose to prevent their child from being murdered. And so continue to support them, pray for them, and get involved any way you can. Amen? And uh, so that we can do our part in preventing all these horrible acts of murder. Amen? Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn me to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through verse 20. And we're going to look at this subject this morning. The children are God's call to repentance. Thinking about where we are and the world we are right now and how sin, as I just mentioned, abortion. But not only that, man, the sins that just run rapid across our, our nation, often we seem hopeless. But, man, you know, it wouldn't take but just about one or two people in leadership to get born again, radically, truly saved. Man, we can see some things change. Amen? I love the story uh, of where, you know, of course, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man. He, but, man, I think back to the, all their stories, whether it's them bowing to the golden image or Daniel and the lion's deal, man. It was just a moment like that through those stance of uh, standing on God's word and God pro, God's promises where the next thing you know, uh, the king was promoting who? The God of the Bible, the one and only true God. Amen? And, man, he can do that in America right now. And so we need to pray and believe God for that again and not be living in hopelessness and doubt. Amen? So Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 20. The scripture says this, The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the, son, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of your foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your, hand, your land is desolate, your cities are burned up with fire, your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation is overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? This is a powerful passage of scripture here, folks, saith the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. 
I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of hearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Now, you kind of take a deep breath. It's fixing to get better. Amen? He says this, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Father God, we come to you right now. And Lord God, we just pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts today, Lord Jesus. Lord God, that you would just take and remove any distractions, Lord. I know, God, we have busy, busy lives. We have burdens. We have things that are going on, Lord God, that, that make it difficult to be able to focus. But I'm praying right now that you would just give us supernatural power to be able to focus on your word, to hear from you today, Lord, and God, then to act on what you speak to our hearts today, Lord God. Once again, Father, I don't do this out of just routine, but I do it because I come under the authority of the shed blood of Christ and I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. And we invite the precious Holy Spirit of God to be here and dwell among us and continue to work in and through us. And we just, God, demand any other spirit be gone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, this morning, as we look at the children of God's call of repentance, I want us to just look at five different things this morning. Number one, I want you to see a description of their sin. As we walk through this passage this morning, I want you to see a description of their sin. Number one, I want you to see that their sin was against the Heavenly Father. Notice verse 1 through verse 4. It says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amaz, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, he says, Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. They have revolted against me. You say, well, why is that so important this morning, Brother Greg? Well, I want you to think about this this morning. All too often, we, and especially the lost world around us, we always think in terms of, well, you know, whatever I'm doing, it's not really affecting anybody else. It's not hurting anybody. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Or maybe you've said that yourself. You know, what I'm doing, why are you worried about what I'm doing? I'm not hurting anybody. And we don't realize we really are hurting someone. Amen? When you and I commit sin, we are sinning against a holy, awesome perfect God who gave us life, amen, who gave us that life to honor Him and glorify Him. And so he says it right here, he says, they have revolted against me. I love what the psalmist says, and of course we know in Psalms 51 that David is referring to his great sin with all that took place with Bathsheba and, and Uriah and, or Uzziah, right? Uh, all that that took place, man, with with lust, laziness, lust, premeditated murder, all that adultery, everything that took place, we know that it affected a lot of people. But ultimately it was against who? God. Listen to what he says here in Psalm 51 verse 4. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I promise you Bathsheba and some other folks, even the people of Israel, would say, no, David, you sinned against us. But he recognized ultimately that sin was against God, a holy God. Amen? 
So we, there's, we see their sin was against the Heavenly Father. Second of all, we see that their sin was they didn't truly know God, I believe. They didn't truly know God. They knew about Him, but they didn't know Him. Listen, verse 3 here. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. He gives us this illustration. An ox, this, this animal, he knows who his owner is. He knows when he hears his voice. He responds when he hears his voice to go left, to go right, to plow deeper, whatever. That animal knows, but Israel did not know the voice of God. They did not truly know God, I believe. Listen, and I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I'll never forget when I first heard it. I was probably about one, two months old in the Lord. I'd just gotten saved. I was right down the road, not far from here, uh, through the woods, as a crow would fly in, uh, at a place called Seeker Springs. Everybody heard of Seeker Springs? What an amazing ministry. Brother Terry Slauson is one of my good friends, was actually one of my first mentors. I showed up there, and they had this thing called, um, wood, not Woodstock, but, but uh, man, Hillstock. Hill, Christian Radio, Hill, Hill Radio. It was called Hillstock. And it was kind of off the theme, of course, of the old pagan Woodstock, I guess, or whatever. And they took this, and they had all these Christian music folks come in there, and then have somebody come up at the end of the service, of course, and share their testimony and preach. And I'll never forget when I heard this young man get up there as he was preaching, he said these words, there's a many people here tonight, and a many people in this world that's going to miss heaven by 17 inches. And boy, he got my attention. I was like, what does that mean? And he said, 17 inches is the most common distance between your head and your heart. And he brought out the point that is so relevant today is so many folks that know a lot about God, they know things about God, they know facts about God, they may know the Bible, they may know church history, they may know a lot of things, but they don't know Him in their heart in an intimate relationship. And that's what God is pointing out right here in this passage this morning is that they knew a lot about God, but they didn't truly know Him. He says, an ox knows its owner, a donkey knows its master's manger, but Israel does not know and so there's a difference this morning than knowing about God than truly knowing Him intimately in a relationship. Amen? So we see a description of their sin was against the Heavenly Father. Their sin was they didn't truly know God. They knew about God but didn't know Him. And third of all, as we think about this description of their sin, is that their sin was truly that they lived in it. They refused to repent. They lived in it. Listen to verse 4 and verse 5. He says, I lie sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. Is that not a terrible testimony? They have despised the Holy One of Israel. Can you picture this? These are the people of God, the chosen people of God. God is describing them as people who despised Him. And I don't know if you've ever witnessed this before, but I've seen it, especially in ministry. People who say they love Jesus, people who have once proclaimed they love Jesus, people who once outwardly seemingly expressed love for Jesus and were serving Him can get in such a dark place where they hate to even hear about God. You can invite them to church or, or encourage them and tell them you're praying for them and I've heard them respond this way, well, don't you pray for me. I don't want to hear anything about that. That's despising the Holy One. And that's what sin will do, amen? Sin will bring you to a deep, dark place where you just have a refusal of repentance and you just even despise God or despise hearing about Him. You don't want to hear anybody talk about Him. You don't want to hear about prayer. You don't want to hear about the things of the church. You just despise it. He goes on, he says, They have turned away from Him. 
verse 5, where will you be stricken again? And notice this word right here. As you continue in your rebellion. And so one of the greatest descriptions of their sin was the fact that they lived in it. As the Bible says, they were weighed down with it. They weren't just struggling. They weren't just having a bad day. They weren't just going through a dark place in their life and, and fighting through it and trying to get over on it. Man, they were living in it. They were refusing to repent. And, and can I tell you, listen, man, that's the difference. A lot of folks, they'll ask me all the time, you know, well, man, you know, I, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. Does that mean I'm lost? Is that, you know, what's going on and everything else? And I always tell people one really clear indication of whether or not you really know God or not is can you get by with your sin? Uh, are, are you living in sin? Are you just going through it, man, in your lifestyle, you're weighed down with it, as the Bible says right here, or man, when you sin, does it bother you? Does it break your heart? And do you fight through it? Man, because listen, we all have ruts we fall into. We all, most likely, like myself, I feel like there's sins that, as you've heard me mention, that have been a part of my life my entire 24 years as a believer, that pop up, that go down, that pop up, I fight through it, get over it. Next thing you know, I'm back in it. Man, those just those things that Satan draws us into. Man, we all have that, but there's a difference between just living in it and blatantly just sinning and, and just being, oh man, it's all about love. God loves me. It's all about grace. And you just continue in that sin. No. That's what he's describing here. These were people, as we'll see in just a moment, they were practicing religion very heavily. They were going through every festival and every incense that could be burned. They were doing a lot of stuff, trampling the courts of God, man. I can picture them with a smile, but yet weighed down with sin without repentance. That's the description he gives us. Second of all, this morning, not only do we see the description of their sin, we see the destruction of their sin. Do you not know this morning that sin has a very destructive power, doesn't it? We see, number one, I want you to see that sin had caused a true place of hard hearts and, and calloused hearts. Notice verse 5. He says, where will you be stricken again as you continue your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. I believe, as I mentioned just a moment ago, man, sin brings in its destructive power a hard heart, a calloused heart. Man, I know this for myself. The further I get away from God, the meaner I get, the less caring I get, the less compassionate, the less sympathetic, the less concerned about anybody. I just turn inward. Can you relate? When I was lost before I knew the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, I lived for one person and one person only. I'd like to say I loved my mom and I had a great relationship with her. I'd like to say I loved my kids and everything else or my child at that time. But no, I loved me. My heart was so hard and so dark and so calloused. That's what sin's destructive power does, doesn't it? And it'll do it to a believer too because we see this description of the children of God, they had true hard hearts, calloused hearts. But not only was see destructive power sin brought this calloused hard heart, but it also had taken a physical state. The hard heart and calloused heart I'm speaking of was a spiritual sense, but there's also a physical destructive power sin has, I believe. Listen, verse 6 tells us this, From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, raw wounds. He's describing physical things. Not pressed out or bandaged nor softened with oil. Can I tell you something today? You, you may have never taken hold of this truth. But I'm telling you this today. Sin and its destructive power 
can, does, will, and is affecting us physically. Do you believe that today? Y'all remember Sunday before last when we got to celebrate the Lord's Supper together? I purposely chose Paul's instructions to the church at Corinth. And you remember, as I challenge you, before you partook of the Lord's Supper, to do it right what, in a manner worthy of the Lord. To exact, remember, it says examine yourselves. It says to make certain you're in the right place, right? Why? Remember what he said? Because he says that's why many of you are sick and many of you are asleep. And that word sleep, if you go to the Greek, is referring to death. As a result of what? Sin. Partaking of the Lord's cup in an unworthy manner, sin that was in their life. Sin will affect us physically. I'm telling you this, I know there's been times in my life that I've been sick because I chose to live in sin, rebel, not repent, and God's protective hedge not be there. Amen? Now let me throw this disclaimer out there. We know this from Job. We know this from the young man that, that was uh, uh, sick. I believe he was blind. And, and remember what the disciples asked? They said, is this man, is he blind because of his mother's sin or his father's sin? And God said, neither. This has come for the glory of God. God knew he was going to heal him. Job was a very righteous man. We know that, man, and, man that was a cr crazy testing he went through, right? We know that he was a righteous man and everything that he went through from the loss of his loved ones to the sickness and everything else to the nagging wife, everything that was going on wasn't because of sin. It was a testing. It was a thing that, that man, you and I can't understand, but it wasn't because of sin. And so I say that this morning and say this. Be very careful before you start throwing rocks and judging people around you and say, I knew it. That's why so-and-so got sick. I knew it. That's why so-and-so died. I knew it. That's why so-and-so had that wreck. That's not always the case. Amen. Sometimes it's just a simple fact that we live in a fallen world and when sin came, sickness and disease came with it. But that doesn't take away from the fact that there is, without a doubt, the reality that when you and I choose to sin, sin's destructive power can affect us physically. And we see that in this passage this morning. Third of all, as we think about the destructive power of sin, we, believe, we see that sin had destroyed their land. It was affecting their land. Listen to verse 7 through verse 10. And I want you to be reminded this morning, this was written hundreds and thousands of years ago. But as you listen, it's going to apply to us today. Don't you love that about the Word of God? It says, your land is desolate. I can take you right now to several places, places I've hunted, places that I know the folks that own the land, and you know that they've got it planted in grass, our trees and things like that. And you want to know why? It's not just because it's crop reduction, CRP or whatever they call it, and it's for animal habitat. That's not the only reason. You know what the big reason is? Why those farmers chose to do that? Because that land had become desolate and would not grow crops fitting to be able to market. Desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Could I remind you right now of some of the horrible, wicked wicked terrorist acts that took place on American soil as people, racist people, were out burning down people's businesses all over the place? Is that not a clear picture of where we've been as a result of the destructive power of sin? Your fields, listen to this, strangers are devouring them in your presence. This is a picture that he's showing them. 
you have people going out and your hard work where you've gone and you've sown seeds, you've taken care of that crop, and there are strangers going out and devouring those fields, either burning them down or taking the crop away from you. Is this not true where we've seen in recent days? We're seeing it right now. My daughter who's in Los Angeles, she's seen it the other day. There's people every day right now because they want to defund the police and do all this garbage out there, and people are going in broad daylight and robbing all sorts of different places. People who have taken and planted money into personal small businesses and they've guarded it and strangers are devouring it. Is this not applicable to us? That sin's destructive power. Your field strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation is overthrown by, by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Listen, sin's destructive power is affecting our land. It's destroying our land. That's the power of sin, amen? I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but man, I've got a, a close friend that I, I was her pastor over at First Baptist Allah, and she had a cousin who ate a raw oyster, which I love, but I'm telling you, yes, sir, it's good. You got to like it. But here's the sad part about this. That woman within, I can't remember now, this has been probably five, six years ago, but I think it was 70, 72 hours she decomposed in there, and, and I'm talking about died, that flesh-eating disease. I mean, I'm telling you, we can come up with all kinds of scientific reasons and everything else. That sends destructive power on our land, an effect on our land. And story after story today, y'all know, man, everything that's out there, man, is because of sin. You want to know why God has not raked across America right now and given us testimony over COVID and everything else and it not affecting us in a negative way because we have sin in our nation and one I mentioned just a while ago is one of the biggest sins is killing little innocent babies every day by the thousands and hundreds amen sin's destructive power is affecting our land and then one more comment about sin's destructive power is this of course and I believe it to be the worst and that is this sin's destructive power had separated them from God. Go forward to verse 15. He says, so, and this is terrible. This is a sad passage right here. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Sin's destructive power. It had a spiritual effect hard-heartedness, physical, man, they, the sickness, everything else, the land destroyed, affected by sin's power, but greater than all that, it separated them from God. And that's the power and destructive power of sin, isn't it? So you see the description of their sin, you see, second of all, the destruction of sin, and we're going to speed up a little bit here for some of y'all that are like, man, I've got to go. I want you to see third of all this morning, man's dealing with sin. Man's dealing with sin. Listen to verse 11 all the way to verse 15. Listen to how man wants to deal with sin. This is our favorite way to deal with sin, isn't it? 
to just try harder to do something, to just do something, rather than surrender unto the Lord and repent. Verse 11, it says, What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, saith the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams. And, and let me remind you, these are things that God instructed them to do. And now He is telling them that they make Him sick. That He's had enough of them. That He doesn't like it. Now, I'll remind you, and you hear me say this often, you're not going to hear this by most television evangelists or even some of the popular preachers of our day because this is very negative. But God is telling them He hates all their religious acts them getting up there and doing all that they do, but yet living perverted, sinful lives. Recognizing that they were just caught up in religion and missed the whole picture of relationship and intimacy with God and holiness and righteousness with God. He says, I've had enough. This is back second part of verse 11. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires you this trampling on my courts? This right here, listen. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. In other words, listen, today you can come to church every time the doors open. You can tithe. You can give free will offering. You can give love offering. You can go out and help every little old lady across every street out there in America. And you can do everything. In fact, listen, you can give millions to life choices. You can support every missionary on the face of the earth. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus, what does the Bible say? Without love, it's what? All of it's what to God. Does those, does those passages not parallel? Does it not just make him sick because it's just a sounding gong? It just gets on his nerves because you've missed it. Religion is hated by God. Amen? It was religious people that crucified Jesus. It's religious people that, that hold back the church today. And so he makes this very clear. This is the way man wants to deal with sin. We want to start another religion. We want to start another church. We want to start another this or another movement and miss the whole picture of repentance and relationship that God's called us to. He said, New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of burying them. Can you not picture God in heaven? And as these people, really in a sense, unknowingly in their sin, are making a mockery of what God meant to be intimate. All these religious things that they were doing. So when you spread out, here we go again, I want to repeat it. You spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Is that not a hopeless place right here I will spread I, I, even though you spread out your, your hands in prayer I will hide my eyes from you yes even though you multiply prayers I will not listen your hands are covered with blood so we see man's dealing with sin as man let's just let's work harder let's do more let's come up with this crafty slogan let's do this do that and miss the real picture and that's, of course, what brings me to my next point, and that's the deliverance of sin. Listen, we see verse 16 through verse 18, God's glorious deliverance from sin. He says this in verse 16. It's very clear. It's very simple, isn't it? He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. And then he gives us the clear, basic definition of repentance. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. And there's deliverance right there. 
Remove evil out of your life. Cease to do evil. And then he goes on and he promotes uh, this discipleship. He promotes getting into God's Word and being under the teaching and preaching of God's Word. He says, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, be, be, make people accountable, defend the orphans, plead for the widow. Sounds a little bit like the book of James there, amen. Pure and undefiled religion is this, to keep oneself unstained by the world and to visit widows and orphans in their distress. Man, aren't you loving how the Word of God, man, it may have been written thousands of years before, but it all comes together because it has one real author, and that's the Lord himself, amen. It says, plead for the widow. And then I love this part in verse 18. He says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as wool or white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. And is that not beautiful today? We see that there is deliverance. There's no doubt we can get to what seems like a hopeless place where we are so physically affected by sin. Our land is destroyed. Our hearts are, our hearts are hard. Our lives are falling apart. And no, it doesn't sound, it seem like God's even listening to us because He may not be because we're still living in sin. But when you come unto Him in true biblical repentance, removing sin from your life and ceasing to do evil, then, man, though our sins be like scarlet, they can be white as snow. Amen? I love what one of my favorite preachers in the world, Dr. Herb Revis, Jr., North Jacksonville Baptist Church in North Jacksonville, Florida. If you ever want to go listen to somebody preach, that dude is a preaching machine. Amen? Oh, my goodness. But he always describes it as this. He says it's like the Lord took a heavily detergent, the blood of Jesus, and man just washes his head and toe. Amen? That's true. That's what he's saying right here. Man, know your sin is red like scarlet. can be white as snow. I can take the perfect blood of Jesus and cleanse you from head to toe. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. It don't matter. You're looking at somebody who was wicked, terrible. Christina knew a little bit about it. But I got worse out of high school. But guess what? One millisecond after repentance, I was clean, head to toe. Jesus saw me as perfect. I, the Lord saw me as he sees Jesus. Amen? And that's the beauty of the power, deliverance of sin that God brings forth. And last of all this morning, I've got to end with a warning. And I want you to see the deadline for sin. Listen to verse 19. If you can sin and obey, you will eat the best of the land. Say if with me. If. All right, y'all did good. Not really. <laughs> If you can sin and obey, if, if, that's conditional, you will eat the best of the land. We, we got a lot of preachers out there, folks, today, or they call themselves preachers. It is a very popular message today, all about God's love. And I'm all about God's love, but I want to preach the whole counsel of God, amen, that He is a righteous and just God, that He is a jealous God, that He is demanding us to be born again, or else, as He tells us right here in verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So if you can sin and obey, you've got the blessing of God. You've got the favor of God. You can have salvation. You can have life. You can have peace. You can have purpose. You can have power to overcome. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured 
with the sword. There is a deadline, folks. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for me. But there is a line drawn in the sand for every last one of us where we're going to take our last breath or either the Lord Himself refuses to deal with us anymore or either we, man, see the Lord come back. I don't know where that line's drawn, but I just know that one day you and I, every last one born of woman, will step across the line and the deadline will be met. And it will be too late. And so this morning, listen, if you're, you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never been born again, now's the time. If you're the one that the scriptures describing just a moment ago, man, you've been real good at your festivals and your new moons and your burning of incense, your baptisms and your signing pew cards and your giving unto the Lord and coming to church and doing all those things, but you don't know Him intimately, you really don't know Him, you know a lot about Him, but you don't know Him. If that's you this morning, man, I challenge you before it's too late, before you step over that line in time as no more to get right with him today amen and then for us as children of God those of us that are like myself that I know that I know that I'm a child of God I know I was born again I know that man Greg Dunn died on September 14th of 1997 I know that Jesus Christ really is Lord of my life and I know that it's him and him only that I put my faith in to get into heaven that no one else has getting me there including myself none of my actions or anything else not even preaching or men in the ministry of that none of that I know I'm going because he is Lord of my life and I'm accepting him as my Lord and Savior I know that but listen, I've got to come to the place where I truly live for Him wholeheartedly, everything in my life, amen? That He is truly in charge, that He has His way in every area of my life, from the smallest to the largest. That's true revival, amen? To be able to walk in that, and I promise you, not only will that change our life, but it will change the people around us, and we can see real revival if we as the church would rise up and let God deliver us. So if we can sin and obey, man, words can't describe the life that you and I can have. The things we could see take place in our family, co-workers, friends, neighbors, if we would choose to consent and obey. But if we refuse and rebel, the only thing for us is destruction miserable, hopelessness, no power. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And as you stand, I pray that none of us would let this just be routine again this morning. Another invitation, another Sunday we can check off and we've been to church, but know that we would really do business with God. And that we would really get along with Him right now and answer the question, do we really know Him in an intimate relationship? Not know about Him it's a big difference. Hell's going to be filled with the majority of the people there that know a lot about God, include preachers, all of them. Amen? That's sad, but that's true. I bring you back to this passage. You say, well, you're just making an assumption there. No, I'm going off of Scripture, Matthew chapter 7, that you've heard me quote already more than once. Many will say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name. And the Lord says, I will look at them and declare, depart from me, I never knew you. Hell's going to be full of a lot of folks that know about God. There's a difference knowing about and truly knowing Him. Amen.